Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latino Stories. I'm Elena Fowles. Hoy me acompaña Flor Gutierrez. Flor is the founding superintendent of Celebrate Dyslexia Schools, an open enrollment, tuition-free charter school focused on serving the one in five. She has been an educator for over 15 years, intentionally serving students in the south side of San Antonio in various roles, such as dual language uh, classroom teacher uh, in the pre-K uh, through sixth grade, bilingual certified academic language therapist, bilingual educational diagnostician, and dyslexia facilitator. Bienvenida a este episodio, Flor. Thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, congratulations with this new role and, and everything that you've done to make this possible for our community. Uh, but I want to start with just you telling us a little bit about uh, yourself, where you grew up. Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, I was born in Tamaulipas, Mexico. At a very young age, my father moved our family to the Rio Grande Valley. Um, I am one of four. And with the hopes of us receiving a better education and changing the trajectory of our lives. Um, so I have always valued education. Um, but I did grow up in both spaces mm -hmm. along the border in Tamaulipas. I spent most of my holidays almost every single weekend um, in Reynosa. And then we would come Monday through Thursday, or Monday through Friday to school in Westlaco. Mm -hmm. I attended um, elementary to high school schools in Westlaco Independent School District. I see. Uh, so you grew up bilingual, bicultural, you know, biliterate, right, in, yes. in this environment. <clears throat> did you, so you valued education, but did you see yourself as a maestra? I did not. Mm -hmm. I think every first gen Mujer in their family mm -hmm. is always a maestra by design, right? right? Oh, yeah, we absolutely. are the teachers of everything. But a formal educator was not in my mind at that time. Um, I was hoping to become a professor, actually, mm -hmm. in linguistics. So I pursued a bachelor's in linguistics from the uh, San Diego State University. Mm -hmm. um, but not, I didn't see myself as working in the K through 12, as an educator in K through 12. So what shifted? Um, so when I, I, I graduated high school from in Westlaco, Texas, and I had a scholarship to go um, to a school in, Sandy, uh, in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. So I was there for two years. I um, received my basics, and then I transferred into San Diego State for my bachelor's. Mm -hmm. And um, my major was actually linguistics, and then I wanted to pursue a grad program and then a PhD in uh, linguistics with a specialization in English. So in my mind, I was learning, mastering English um, and getting a degree out of it and my future career. Mm -hmm. But after my I graduated from San Diego State, I missed um, home. Mm. Uh, I was in San Diego. Right. There wasn't a lot of linguistics programs in Texas. Mm -hmm. So when I transferred into San Antonio, UTSA, um, I, I went into um, 
uh, bilingual bicultural studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to do that in, in my grad program. And my advisor at that time in one of my meetings, she tells me, are you looking for a job? And I had just been here. I think that I got in that Friday and classes started that Monday. So oh it's very like two days in this new city. I didn't know anybody. She tells me, are you looking for a job? And I said, I actually am going to be looking for a job. I wanted to get school settled first before mm-hmm. I went out job hunting. And she says, there's a small school district out in the south of San Antonio, and they're looking for a bilingual teacher in one of their kinder classes. And they, um, you don't have to be certified. They will work with you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give it a shot? And I said, yes. Right. I was like, well, what a great way to connect with the community and become part of San Antonio. Um, I was bilingual at that time. I had just graduated with my bachelor's that May. So I was just excited to find something to do. So I started working in Somerset, Texas, uh, on Somerset ISD for Somerset ISD as a kindergarten, pre-kindergarten teacher in 2007. And and that's how my career in education started. <laughs> it's funny because uh, we ha- I kind of have um, flipped um, experience because I did after, um, after my bachelor's, I was a, a one-year bilingual uh, teacher for first grade in Dallas, Texas. And then we moved. So where I went in Arkansas, they didn't have bilingual education. Um, I was going to, you know, start the certification process in Texas. And then uh, the move made me think about grad school. And then I went in a different direction. Uh, but bilingual education education has always been in my heart, right? And uh, even though I am now um, teaching at a college level, those um, topics are always part of our discussion, right? Especially when we talk about uh, Latino issues, uh, especially now that I'm here in San Antonio, right? That's very important to think and to incorporate into into our classrooms, right? Um, thinking about the di- uh, linguistic diversity. So, Flor, you are a bilingual, not only, right, a bilingual educator, uh, but also a dyslexia specialist and work, um, like you mentioned, here in the south side of San Antonio, which has the highest number of Spanish speakers. Um, Talk to us about this work. Um, So I know growing up in the Rio Grande Valley, um, bilingualism, biliteracy has always been a part of my identity of part of who I am, always trying to stay connected to that part of me. And so being a bilingual teacher was a way for me to stay connected to who I was. And, um, you know, I see myself in a lot of the students that I taught. Mm -hmm. I was that bilingual student at that time. Um, So being that person that I needed is so important to me. And that's why I have always served um, our communities in the South Side um, and intentionally in the bilingual communities. Mm-hmm. When did you develop, a, when and why did you develop an interest specifically uh, to be a dyslexia specialist? So on my 10th year of being a bilingual educator, I had served in programs with early exit, late exit, dual one-way, dual two-way, 
Um, you know, those are all the models for bilingual, bilingual models we have in San Antonio. My own children were starting their, um, they're starting pre-K and kinder. Uh, when my daughter was in kinder, um, she was in a dual language program, an amazing program, one of the best in the city. So I was teaching at that school so that they would attend this program. Mm -hmm. um, she just started showing these symptoms, right, that weren't that I hadn't seen before, not with my oldest um, child. She couldn't learn her letters. Mm -hmm. She couldn't learn her sounds. And she's in kinder. And, you know, I did what every parent does. We're going to practice at home some more. Mm -hmm. We're going to, you know, keep on working until we get it. And it just wasn't working for her. Mm -hmm. So I went on this journey trying to find solutions for her. She was kinder going into first grade, didn't know her letters. Most first graders by this time are reading in Spanish. She was in a dual language program. And um, I reached out to private um, a, a private um, diagnostician at that time. She tested her. She had a, so she diagnosed her with dyslexia. Mm -hmm. That was the very first time mm. in my life that I had heard that word. Mm -hmm. It wasn't covered through my schooling. Ten years in a classroom, I hadn't heard that word. Wow. And so once I heard that word, right, that's what was causing her all this hardship at this point. She's middle of second grade, I'm first grade, I'm sorry. She doesn't want to go to school. Right. She's still not learning her letters and sounds. Um, she's definitely not reading or even close to reading. Um, so I decided, you know, I was going to do what I needed to do to get her the help that she needed. So I found out what is a certified academic language therapist. They are individuals that have been prepared to remediate dyslexia using curriculum that has been approved and accredited by mm -hmm. IMSLEC accredited curriculum. And so she, I enrolled her in a center downtown. She received therapy after school, um, sitting there waiting for her to finish that first year of therapy. The director tells me, hey, you're a teacher. You can be a therapist too. Mm. Um, and so then I enrolled that September. That was like, I think, April when she mentioned it. So that following September, I started um, my certif my certification towards a dyslexia specialist. Right. It's a two-year certification. Um, I ended up teaching my daughter's class. And then um, throughout the years, I've supported her and helped her with all her, her schooling. Right. And you know what? That's interesting that you say you, as, a, as an educator, working in the schools, had never heard that word dyslexia, right? To, to, to think about maybe uh, different ways of uh, that kids learn or different maybe challenges that they face, right? Um, and I think um, as an educator, too, um, there is a privilege of like, okay, I can seek help here and there. But there's a lot of parents that don't know. And I think about, you know, all, all of this um, learning, special learning needs um, that um, that kids have, right? And and I think about my own childhood, right? And and going through school and having having peers that didn't read or that were, you know, that had some sort of uh, special needs that were never addressed so that, you know, they ended up being held a, 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 
uh, grade or <clears throat> becoming the problem child, right? Because there was no learning happening, right? And so, and I think about our own um, uh, parents, right? The, the my grandparents, perhaps, uh, perhaps first gen generation immigrants here, and not really having the language to ask for help, right? Uh, to understand their child's needs, but also um, asking for help. Um, when I was in a different environment a couple, you know, a year ago, and and this has never been brought up, right? In terms of um, students who are bilingual, right, and having dyslexia and how that might impact their learning um, and um, maintenance of two languages and things like that. Um, so in the Midwest, one of the things that happens is that students are often misdiagnosed uh, with speech um, impediments when when it's really a bilingual issue, right, is that they're, they're learning two languages at the same time and things like that. Um, so there is a lot of sort of advocacy um, happening in the last just short few years, right, where uh, schools have uh, understood, right, that they need bilingual speech therapists because um, you don't want to misdiagnose a child, right, that is sim simply learning two languages, right, or, or dealing with two languages. So my question to you is, how might a bilingual student navigate dyslexia differently than a monolingual, and what are some of the steps um, that, um, maybe, yeah, that, that are unique, I guess, uh, what are unique approaches to helping bilingual students um, learn how to learn be best? So a lot of, um, in our region, in San Antonio, a lot of our bilingual students are not diagnosed at all. Mm -hmm. um, they're not flagged because there's this misconception or maybe little knowledge on how does dyslexia affect that bilingual student. Mm -hmm. So in order for us to dig, dig into that, we want to understand how instruction is delivered when you're in a bilingual program. So. Mm -hmm. It, usually, if you're in K through first grade, most of your instruction is done in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And then as they're coming, you know, passing through the grades, they're increasing that English instruction. So we, we know that, right? And then we know that in Spanish is a transparent language. So letters correspond to one sound. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's easier to decode and mm -hmm. to read in Spanish because of because of that. So our, our students, um, kinder first, second, when it's heavy Spanish instruction, they tend to hang in there mm -hmm. and perform like their peers mm -hmm. because Spanish is, is, is transparent. They're able to read mm -hmm. um, as they're, but as the text becomes more um, rigorous and complex, right? They're, they lose a lot of that fluency. Mm. So they're still able to read, but they're reading slower, at a slower pace, and their accuracy is in there. Mm -hmm. So what that does, it causes them to not understand what they're reading. And then when they have comprehension questions, they're not able to answer them. Mm -hmm. So then a lot of teachers will give them more interventions on comprehension because they think it's a comprehension issue. Where in reality, the reason they don't have that fluency is because 
uh, dyslexia affects the phonological area of language. So that means manipulating sounds, mm -hmm. making that sound letter, connecting that sound letter. So when they're not connecting the sounds to the letters, that affects their fluency, mm -hmm. which in turn affects their comprehension. Right. But a lot of teachers and even some evaluators, right, that have been doing this for a while, it, they they um, almost always diagnose them as a comprehension, reading comprehension disability, mm. but they're not really targeting the root cause. So a lot of our bilingual students, if they are flagged for an evaluation, that's what they find. Um, if, you know, those are the few lucky ones that get an evaluation, right. uh, most of them will not. And as they're going through the grades, like let's say third and fourth, you know, by fourth, most programs, whether it's an early, late or dual one way or two way, it's getting very close to that 50-50. Mm -hmm. So 50% of the day is in English, 50% is in Spanish. So when you start adding that second language and expecting them to read and English, we know it's, it's what we call an opaque language where the letter sound correspondence is not one-to-one. -one. We have diagraphs, we have diphthongs, we have combinations. Yeah. And all of these structures of the language are not being explicitly taught. Mm -hmm. So they're not learning it just by being exposed mm -hmm. to it, like their peers. Right. So then, then we start seeing those huge academic gaps. And at that point, instead of looking at that student, a lot of our educators will just think, oh, it's a language thing. Mm -hmm. When in reality, they've been struggling since K first, but because they were being, they were receiving instruction in Spanish and Spanish is easier to decode, they were just hanging on. But mm -hmm. then when they add that, that English and those expectations of reading that fourth grade English text, right. um, then they start really seeing those academic gaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the schools that, um, that you're a part of, this uh, Celebrate Dyslexia Schools, are they uh, bilingual also? Um, so we are. We were approved to open up our charter, um, Celebrate Dyslexia Schools, in June. Mm -hmm. um, and we will be having a, a dual language program within our school. We're going to have a strand um, for our dual language. And um, Our design is going to follow, um, you know, the programs that are already approved by TA, the bilingual programs. The difference is that the teacher will be the, an, a dyslexia expert mm -hmm. as well as a language expert, mm -hmm. which is very important to right. have uh, if you're serving this um, student profile. Mm -hmm. So are all of your teachers um, going to be dyslexia yes. experts? Yeah. So that is part of our innovative model is that our teachers will go, um, it's already a PD embedded within the year. They will all be working towards becoming a certified academic language therapist. Mm -hmm. All training will be done um, in-house. We will have a qualified instructor who is the individual that has been approved to prepare CELTS on staff and available to teachers um, throughout their two-year training. This sounds exciting to me, and I, <laughs> so I'm sure is even more exciting for you and the community and the thought of just, you know, being able to offer this uh, resource to families that might not otherwise receive it and, or, um, you know, uh, schools that might not be attentive to this 
um, specific needs, especially when working with bilingual students. Um, so what are you most excited about um, being in this new role? And, and also, is this um, the first school or is there many schools or what, did, what are some of the future, um, you know, hopes and dreams? So um, we are, uh, I am preparing our very first campus. Um, it's going to serve 112 students here in San Antonio. Um, and our options are open. We are hoping to partner up with school districts, charter schools, mm -hmm. private schools that want to do this work well. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I would love to see our independent school districts bring this model into their schools. Right and um, provide this to even more students. I know my campus is not going to be able to serve, meet the needs of every learner in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And so my, my vision is that school, that this is a model and that schools um, that are wanting to do this work well, reach out. Um, we are here to support everybody and lift our, our entire community. Are you the first one in Texas? Are you the first schools? There is another school, a charter school, um, with a specialty, I think, with um, disabilities. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a dyslexia-focused charter school. I know in our city we are the first open enrollment tuition-free charter school that has a dyslexia focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this attentive to bilingual yes. students. Yeah, that's, that's also... A plus plus. <laughs> I know um, when I was finding solutions for my daughter, I became a bilingual therapist. I trained in the curriculum for the Spanish curriculum for dyslexia because uh, I told my husband, you know, her bilingualism shouldn't be negotiable right. because she has a disability. So for me, um, it's very important that we offer an option for our emergent bilingual students that value that um, first language. Yes, and thank you for saying that because a lot of times when students have uh, special needs, you know, learning needs, um, what um, what gets put aside is their their bilingual abilities, right, or their bilingual upbringing, and uh, the tendency is say, well, let's just focus on one language, right, because we're going to fix this need or this problem, right, um, uh, which is English, yeah. uh, which is not, yeah, I, I really like what you said about um, bilingualism not being a negotiable, right? It's, 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 it's got to stay, mm -hmm. it's got to be nurtured, it's got to be developed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at that time, we were spending weekends in Mexico, you know, so to me, I was like, she, she, she can speak both, mm -hmm. she can learn how to read and write in both. Mm -hmm. um, so that has been something that I've never negotiated um, she's been in therapy in Spanish, and then she's completed the English curriculum too, but, you know, always prioritizing her bilingualism. That's great. Uh, Flor, what would you like family, our families, um, especially here in the South Side, to know about um, your school? Um, so I, I do want families to know that we are an option. If you have a kindergartner, first grade, second grade student that is already um, struggling, and by struggling, I mean that you're noticing they have a hard time learning letters and sounds. Those are foundational skills uh, for literacy. Those are already signs. I know a lot of times in our schools, we, our schools tend to wait until the third grade where they're failing star. You know, by that time, it's, it's late. You know, it's already late. 
So just pay attention to those pre-literacy skills. Uh, we are an option um, on our website. We have a student interest form. You can send uh, complete. My email is on the website, flor at celebratedyslexiaschools.org. Send me an email if you're unsure, if you're seeing something, you know, we can set up a meeting. I am happy to hop on a Zoom and um, just have a conversation about how you can find resources um, for your children. Right. And I just want to mention, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that um, you said that a lot of students get diagnosed or start seeing those signs or intervention on the third grade. Um, and it's not that it's impossible, but the journey becomes harder, right? So it's best to do intervention as early as possible. Yes. So um, the state of Texas mandates that every kindergartner and every first grader is screened for dyslexia mm -hmm. in all charter and public schools. Um, kindergartners should be screened by the end of their fall year, mm -hmm. so by December, and first graders by the end of their year. Usually they're completed by April. So what this screener is doing is it's flagging the student. It's not a, dis a full dyslexia evaluation or diagnosis, but it's flagging that student and, and almost predicting this student is going to have a hard time mm -hmm. reading. Mm -hmm. And so with the, the, the state's intention with that um, was that if students are flagged in kinder and first, districts will have the opportunity to provide these interventions mm -hmm. and close that gap before it starts affecting their academic journey. Um, so parents, if you have a kinder or first grader, you know, reach out to your school, ask um, with the screener, um, school districts should send a letter home that tells you your student was flagged or your student was not flagged. If he was flagged, these are the steps that we are going to take in order to remediate or offer that support that is needed. Um, so kinder and first grade parents, um, reach out to your school, ask for that referral letter, and uh, look into what can be done to help your students. Great. Flor, gracias por esta conversación. Thank you so much for having us. We were excited to do this. Thank you. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Thank you.